You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under the sun, under the heaven. <laughs> when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native tongues? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jewish Judaism, Cretans and Cretans and whatever they are, and Arabs. <laughs> Couldn't work that one out. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Thank you. Really nice to be here. Um, I, my daughters were actually flower girls in uh, a wedding in Hillsville, so it was re- residents of Hillsville, and they were in a paddock just over this way, and they had bagpipes as the bride came in, and it just went right over the valley. It was just absolutely amazing. Anyway, we love Hillsville, <laughs> so nice to be here. Yeah, and I am married to Andrew. We have four young adult children and, yeah, we, I work for City to City and my job is to help people uh, really around evangelism and I think it's been a sort of needed job at this point in time so people are really finding it a bit hard around evangelism but that's okay. And, yeah, I also work uh, one day a week with the Anglican Church and I'm a canon, the canon of church planting. Um, so I do that also uh, one day a week. Oh, man, I've got my laptop all around the wrong way. All right, here we go. Yeah, so this passage is a, a good one, isn't it? It's pretty exciting to see all these people becoming Christians and the spirit at work. Um, and really, it is about the disciples being filled with the spirit and then they boldly go and teach about Jesus and they take basically the message of Jesus to the world and they can't contain it, can they? They're totally transformed. And if you're anything like me, you look at these passages and go, oh no, (laughs) I'm not like that at all. And so yeah, you can actually come away feeling a little bit disappointed. Uh, Okay, my laptop's now frozen up. Gosh, I really... You go. I probably can do it almost by memory. <laughs> All right. Uh, now I'm going to have to turn my laptop on and off. We'll see how we go. 
But I don't know about you, but I've definitely had some relationships in my life that have actually uh, transformed me in some way. So uh, I don't know if you remember your first crush. Were you when you had your first crush? Does anyone remember? 14, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine was around 13 and it was, uh, I had this massive crush on this guy called um, Terry Woodall. Oh, I probably shouldn't say his name. <laughs> anyway, and he was in a country town uh, in South uh, I just adored him. He was sporty and he was handsome and I was about 13. He was a few years older. And like, you know, when you're in your 7, you just look adoringly at uh, the older people in school. Anyway, at one point I went, like, I was pretty shy know if he knows who I am like I just walked past him in uh, in the uh, yard anyway I basically got up enough courage and I so I said I walked past him one day I said hello Terry and he went hello Gillian and I was like and I went Jay I'm like I'm pretty shy and here's someone and I feel so incredibly seen at this point in time. And like nothing ever came of it, but it really just transformed me. And I just went, Do you know what? I should say hello to everyone and say their name. So all through high school, I basically just said hello to every person I went past. And I, it took me a little while to remember everybody's names, but I just said their name through high school. And by the end of it just stopped talking because <laughs> I'd just sort of really come out of my shell at that point and I'm just going oh how incredible is it that just that one thing of saying hello just totally transformed things now the thing is with the spirit is that this is another whole level of transformation now there are some things you need to understand though from this passage and there's three old testament things that have happened and the first is the Passover. So the Passover happens just before Jesus dies on the cross. Do you know, I don't know if you know, but the Passover happened because the, um, the Israelites were in Egypt. Is my microphone in and out? Hold it up more. Oh, there. Hold that there. Okay. Um, and so what happened with the Passover was the God's spirit came through and instead of um, killing the firstborn, the people who had a cross on their door were passed over. And actually that's what happens for us is that God's judgment doesn't come on us because of Jesus Christ, that we have his cross in us. And so God's judgment passes over. So that was the first thing and that happened a week before this. So the Passover happened before Jesus has died. Then there's a festival of weeks. That is why they're all here. And the festival of weeks, I don't know if you know what this is, but actually it was a festival to celebrate when the Spirit and God came down on Moses. Now, I don't know if you remember, but Moses was up on Mount Sinai and the Spirit came down on him and there was fire and wind. And actually this is um, the exact time that they're celebrating the festival of weeks and here we have the spirit and wind um, and fire again. So the 
Holy Spirit is coming down. And the other thing, I don't know if you noticed, you know how that was hard to say all those names? But actually what, what it really reminds us of from the Old Testament is the Tower of Babel, don't you think? Where actually there were people trying to reach God, but actually what happens is God distributes them and he changes their language and they can't try and be like God, basically is what they were trying to do. They were going to be the people who would reach God, but God distributes them. But here in the Festival of Weeks, we have all these people from all different languages coming uh, here at this point in time. So it was a really miraculous moment of uh, God's Spirit at work. And the other thing that you may notice from the Holy Spirit is, uh, from the Old Testament, is that when the Holy Spirit is around, he hovers and he might come upon someone, you know, like King David, he comes upon him at one point, but it's only for a season. But actually what we find here is the Holy Spirit indwells. So it's actually quite different in terms of how the Spirit uh, goes on. So we see these things that are going on in the Old Testament that are actually preparing for this amazing moment of when the Spirit uh, uh, finally arrives. Now we've got a few things that I want to say about the Spirit. Uh, I'll just have a quick look over this one. So the, the Spirit really is the person who really transforms us. Now the way that we see this is that the Spirit convicts us of our sins. So if you're feeling quite convicted about your sin, that's a good thing because actually that's the spirit in you saying, we're not going to live like this. This is not the way things should be. The, the problem is, is if you don't feel convicted, actually that's the spirit has might been dulled or deadened in you. So actually it's really good when you're convicted and when someone becomes a Christian, they are often really convicted of their sin. It, 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 does anyone become a Christian later in life? And was that one of your experiences in terms of that real conviction of sin? And I know for me, I became a Christian when I was eight. And that was a really big thing is that I was convicted of my sin. So that's the work of the, and the Spirit's transformation, right? The second one is that he points us to Jesus. And so when you're convicted of your sin, the Spirit then comes and helps you understand Jesus' forgiveness. So if you feel like you are forgiven and you are free in, in that, that means that your spirit is at work in you. He helps you see Jesus and understand him and understand what the cross was for and that you are live as a free person, right? Okay, the second thing is, third thing is he helps us understand and put Jesus first in our life. Now, my um, brother, uh, he grew up in a Christian family. He went right off tracks for quite a while. And uh, he was paralytic drunk, drunk one night. And he cried out to God and he said, God, if you're there, I'll live for you. And he basically had this incredible moment of transformation and he wouldn't tell anyone. And my mum rang me and said, there's something different about your brother and I'm going, and she goes, I think he's become a Christian. And he wouldn't say a thing. And then he came and visited my husband and I. And he said, as soon as he walked in the door, I went, something's happened to you, hasn't it? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I've become a Christian. And he could just see that he, yeah, he just, he just looked different. He was just so transformed. But then um, I said to him, 
like Bruce, we've really spent years talking to about Jesus. And he goes, I just couldn't understand why you're excited about this man who lived 2,000 years ago. It was just so weird to me. And, he, and it's the, as the Spirit worked in him, he finally could understand. The fourth thing about the Spirit is the Spirit then fills our hearts. So we actually are able to experience incredible love for God and for others. So, you know, when Jesus says the two most important things to love God and to love others, and actually that's the Spirit who helps us with that, to be able to love others. I always call some of the people that you end up having to love, you definitely need God's transforming Spirit <laughs> to be able to help you with that. Um, but actually that's the, how the Spirit works in us. Well, the fifth point around the Spirit is that uh, He's our comforter and our healer. So the Spirit, when he comes in on you, he grabs your heart. It's like he gives your heart a hug and he wants to comfort you and to heal you, to restore you to be the human being that God has created you to be. And I think that's the incredible thing about the Spirit is that he really wants to come in and transform you by comforting and healing you. And we all often go through a lot of pain in our lives and actually that's the spirit who will transform in this, us in that. The sixth point is uh, the Holy Spirit emboldens us and gives us courage, which is what we see in here. The thing though is, um, and yeah, I think this is a question that we all ask, is why isn't it that we who obviously have the spirit, we're saved, we understand who Jesus is and his forgiveness for us. Now, why isn't it that we don't feel so emboldened and courageous? And part of it is that actually sometimes we want instant transformation like happens in Acts. But I don't know about you, but it's a bit like fitness. <laughs> so fitness is you've got to be a bit disciplined and you need to practice and keep trying and strengthen those muscles but actually I think what happens is the spirit is a bit like fitness in that we've got to keep practicing and trying and things like that so I would say that I'm pretty good at talking about my faith with others but I would say that it's because I've practiced a lot and in fact I have an atheist friend who said when I told her what I did for my job she goes you're not that good at it <laughs> Because I said I'm, I try and help people work out how to talk about their faith. And she goes, well, you're not that good. And I said, yeah, it's because I always practice with her. Because I try a few different ways of talking about things. Because if it doesn't grab her heart, I'm going, man, this is probably not going to help others. But actually, yeah, I feel like I've just had to practice and really strengthen that muscle of evangelism. And it means when you strengthen your muscle, you become a bit more courageous. So, you know, with sport, you might try walking, then you might try running. Well, I don't know, I never quite got to the running bit. But, <laughs> but how you do try and strengthen that. And actually, it gives you more courage and you can try more things. And I think that's the same in this, is that actually the spirit strengthens our muscles. And actually, we get stronger and we work out how to do things. Now, the thing is, God could actually, because if you look at this, the Holy Spirit is incredibly powerful and he is the one who's really going to change someone's hearts, right? We can't do that. 
So God could actually, we could all stop all around Australia, we could all stop talking about our faith, right? Because God can do it. He's that powerful, right? So should we? (laughs) So it's an interesting thought, isn't it, that actually God's spirit could actually transform every single person in Australia. But what he does is he chooses to allow us to be part of this journey. He actually, I don't know if you've ever led someone to faith, but it is seriously the most amazing thing that we can be part of as a Christian. Um, In year 11, I had two of my friends become Christians, and I think that just set my journey off in how do we actually help people come to know Jesus because they were so amazingly transformed. Like, it was just so incredible. Okay, well, we could all stop talking about our faith because I think God's Spirit can still do it without us, but he chooses to allow us to be part of it. But I want you to hear, though, it's God who's powerful And we're sort of these weak vessels that God uses. So um, over COVID, a friend of mine who used to come to church and stopped coming to church, um, we caught up for a coffee. And, well, actually, no, we didn't. We went for a walk (laughs) because we weren't allowed to really go out for coffee. We went for a walk. And now my friend, she had become a Christian through playgroup and she was part of our church but then when her three boys were in high school she ended up we caught up quite a bit and she kept on saying I actually don't think I believe this anymore and I don't agree with the church's stance on quite a few things and I think I'm I'm jumping out I'm actually don't want to be a Christian anymore and so her and her three boys stopped coming to church I don't know if you've had that experience but it's pretty heartbreaking and yeah, you don't know what to do. Like, you don't know, do I keep persevering? Is it that they're never going to be part of it? Anyway, we're good friends. So, of course, we kept catching up. And she ended up meeting a guy who had three boys as well. So, they basically became the Brady Bunch family. Do you even know what the Brady Bunch is? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. And so, they became this Brady Bunch family. He was a really nice guy, but obviously not a Christian and just not at all interested. We went to their wedding. We had them over for a barbecue, that sort of stuff. Anyway, so here am I having a walk with my friend. And she goes, so my new husband's youngest son got given a Bible and he's been reading it. And he's been asking me, what should I say? And she goes, I don't know what I think about this anymore. Can you meet with him and answer his questions? And I said, that would be awesome, but I sort of can't because he's 17 and you can't have a one-on-one conversation with a 17-year-old. Yeah, anyway, so I said, like, is there any chance his girlfriend could come and maybe we'll do something a bit more formal like Alpha and we'll do it online and then he, he can ask me questions. So we did, uh, she messaged back straight away and said, yep, him and the girlfriend want to catch up with you and they want to do Alpha. And I went, then I went, do you know what? I should invite my friend and her new husband if they want to come as well. Anyway, they didn't reply and then they didn't reply for another day. They didn't reply for another day. And you know that sinking feeling where you just go, oh, no, I've overstepped. (laughs) We're now not friends anymore. (laughs) And by the third day, though, she ended up saying, okay, my new husband and I are going to join in with Alpha as well. And then I'm going, do you know what? I'm on a roll. 
<laughs> I'm going to ask all six of the boys and all their girlfriends if they want to do Alpha. Anyway, none of them did, but it would have made a really good story. <laughs> so it was just the four of them. And at the end of, uh, and after each Alpha session, I just asked people, yeah, as you're reading through and finding out about Jesus, what should people's response be? And then on the sixth week, I always ask, what should your response be? And my friend straight away said, I'm back in. I don't know what I've been doing these last 10 years. Her new husband said, I'm in. I want to become a Christian. And I'm going, are you sure? <laughs> it's only been six weeks. You hardly know anything. Anyway, he goes, no, I'm in. And then the youngest son said, I want to take a small step. I don't understand enough, but I want to find out more. And then the girlfriend said, yeah, I'm in as well. So all four of them. Now, what did I do? I just invited them. I just ran the course. I was just a friend all those years. And I think what we sometimes think is we need to be, have more courage. But can I say, can you please pray to the Spirit? He's the one who has all the power. It's Jesus who's done all the work. And actually, we are just small little vehicles that God sometimes uses. And actually, it's the spirit that does the work and that he is the powerful one. And that actually, all of us, so I've seen quite a lot of friends become Christians. And in every situation, I have not done much, <laughs> can I say. I've prayed, which is incredibly powerful, but I've prayed to the one who is the powerful one. And it is God's spirit who does the work in us and in others. So how about we finish off by actually praying? Lord, I just pray that we can really just ask you for your power to be at work in our friends and family who don't know you. Lord, we want it to be like an Acts 2 moment where people are just, where we're incredibly bold but, Lord, we know that actually we're pretty frail and weak and actually it's hard in our culture. But actually, God, we want to strengthen this muscle of being able to speak out more. But, Lord, we also know just how incredibly good it is that you are the powerful one. You're the one who changes people's hearts and you're the one who work in people's lives. And we thank you for that. Amen.